Hi everybody, this is Brett with a special message before we begin. Like comic books and boyfriends, sometimes recording is hit or miss. So, since Evil Jeff and I are halfway across the country from one another, we need to record remotely, and sometimes shit happens. Please enjoy this episode knowing that the audio isn't as great as we hope to be. We are working on issues on our end, and we'll get you a crystal clear episode next week. Happy listening, Queer Cateers. Um, I have been escaping heavily into the world of TV, movie, and comic books. In fact, I escaped heavily into something last night that I thoroughly enjoyed. What was that, Brett? Uh, it was the movie It by Stephen King. It. Written, written and directed by Stephen King. I refused to watch this because I, I secretly wanted... Um, I secretly wanted, if John Ritter had lived... I think he should have played Pennywise the Clown. That's, uh, no, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I didn't see it because I, because I thought, one, the book had a horrible ending. Two, the, the TV movie was, other than uh, Tim Curry, every, every, it was terrible. And so, yeah, I was just, I'm protesting. I'm protesting clowns in general. Great. I'm over clowns being scary. Was the movie scary, Brett? The movie was terrifying, and, and like, I, I seriously don't think that you should be protesting clowns. Clowns are as hot as Nazis are right now. You're, really, <laughs> you're cutting yourself off from a lot of popular culture by protesting clowns right now. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the movie was terrifying. You know why? Because of Pennywise and how well they did Pennywise. I don't think I'll ever be able to look at the Tim Curry thing again and like, and not laugh at the 1990s and ABC miniseries about Stephen King stories specifically. Pennywise is so fucking good. It, like visually, and Alexander Skarsgård is great. Uh, I know it's not him, it's his brother, Bill. Oh, that's his brother? Yeah, Bill Skarsgård. Oh, He's like the not... weird looking. Yeah. Well, he's hey, like you Peter gotta make Lord. it work. Yeah, he's the Peter oh. Lorre Scarsgard brother. Or the what's Ron, what's Ron Howard's brother? Oh, Clint. <laughs> he's the Clint Howard of the Scarsgard family. <laughs> yeah, Poor he's, thing. he's the Clint Howard of the Scarsgard family. Now uh, I heard more... that there's I heard there's no adults. There's like there's no adult section in the it movie. So it's, they took that it's out. so interesting. Yeah, it's just the kids and even like during the previews and the trailers and the hype, I was asking myself, what about the adults? Are they gonna do the adults? There was no mention of like they're gonna be a part two. Um, but I think I just heard that they are actively starting part two with the adults right now. And oh. and they set it up they set it up in kind of a cool way um, at the end of this one. Oh my God! It's gonna be a casting bonanza. I can't who's wait to see who's gonna play the, the people. Because now that I've fallen in love with the kids and they're fantastic, uh, I'll get Watch to Mike it. from Stranger Things in a second. Um, now that we fell in love with those kids, did not get to see the kid orgy, but fell in love with them anyway. Now I'm excited to see who is gonna play them as adults. Can are we allowed to spoil anything with it? Because I want to ask you about the ending. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this book has been around yeah. for 30 yeah. fucking years. Like, All right, yeah. Fuck you, fuck you, audience. I, okay, the, one of the reasons I hated it is you're like, scary clown, scary clown, tension, tension, tension. It's a spider. You're like, what? Right. What? A spider? No. Is, is there a spider in this? No. <gasps> oh, maybe I need to see it. It's it all like Pennywise. It's, it's taking, it's taking all of the the things I hated about it <laughs> and getting rid of it. I think so. What about yeah, Harry John... from Night Court? Does he make Does he make a cameo appearance at all? No, but one of the kids, the no? kid who plays okay. Stan, Damn it. is so reminiscent you can't of have the everything. adult that played him in the 1990s miniseries. It's so weird. I think it's the same character. 
I think. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's, they have a child actor that looks like one of the adult actors from the original, and that's good enough for me. That checks off my Night Court box. Okay, all right. <laughs> but it's good. See it. It's so good. It's, I mean, it's not so good. Like, during the, during the middle, I was like, okay, we get it. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street. Everyone's going to have a weird clown dream. Yeah. All right. I'll watch it. I'm just over clowns. Like American, like American Horror Story is all about clowns now, and I. I Another one that's so good. You didn't watch it? Okay. No, no, because they all end horribly. Why? You're like a masochist. Like you know, it's gonna end bad. It's like here. I'm gonna tell you something. It's no. Here, listen to me. This is what you are. You're like that guy that has a grinder hookup and the guy's really hot, but as soon as he gets there, you're making out and then he can't get it up. And then two days later, he hits you up on grinder again and you're like, all right, I'll go over. And every time he can't get it up, why are you torturing yourself? You know it's gonna end horribly. He's just so hot. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, AHS Cult Fine. is that too. That too was great. Cult is super hot. If you if you like Sarah Paulson having a mental breakdown for 60 straight minutes, you will like this show. If you like Evan Peters being super weird, you'll love this show. And if you like Billy Lord, who I think is the new heart and soul of the show, maybe the franchise, you will not to be just dis- you will what, not because her dis- mom died? Her mom died. Is that just cuz her mom died? Yes. It's a sympathy. It's a sympathy. It's a s- sympathy casting. No, she's fantastic, and they better have her and Emma Roberts on screen at some point. I need my Chanel's back. I oh, can we talk about Scream Queens? Yeah, sure. Um, that was the most lopsided show I have ever seen. Depending on who wrote which episode. Yeah. Cause. Uh, yeah, some episodes you'd watch and you're like, this is campy and fun and amazing. And other episodes you'd watch and you're like, who who wrote this garbage? This is garbage. That show is yeah, garbage. So I, yeah. Season two. I didn't finish. Was... I didn't. I didn't finish the second season. Did Kirstie Alley get murdered? No, I think she was the murderer. Oh, she was the murderer. Oh, yeah. That's disappointing. I know. I know. And I think it was connected to the first one somehow. The second season of that show, great. Great. It wound up being about Scientology. Uh, But American cult, American Horror Story cult is about um, uh, the Trump. It's like it all stems with Trump winning the election. It opens Um, with a montage of all the key moments from Trump-Hillary. And then it's just like, it makes the liberal reaction, and I hate the word liberal, it makes the liberal reaction to the election seem like so annoying, so annoying and whiny. I mean, granted, no, it's not. Nazis have taken over the world, and if you're not a straight white male, you're going to be killed shortly. But it really makes Sarah Paulson's character, who is a hardcore progressive, who, by the way, voted for Jill Stein, which is a spoiler, which is a point of contention among the characters in the show. Is she a lesbian in it? Of course. Right. Allison Pill is her wife. Allison Pill, what a pill! What a horrible yeah. last name. She it's must a have been last name. brutally made fun of by She's me. She's the drummer from um, Sex Bob Bomb. Yes, yes. Um, uh, what's what's uh, Jane Paulson's? Uh, what's her girlfriend? Sarah what's her name? Paulson. Yeah, uh, what's Merrick, her old lady girlfriend? Merrick no, real Garland. Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. I just remember her. My favorite thing about Merrick Garland is her her cameo in Romancing the Stone. And it, it previews of why she's a lesbian. Because in that scene, she's going through all these men at a dinner party. And she's like, too angry, too happy. Ugh. And she's just like, just trashing them all one by one. And it was, she's a lesbian. <laughs> Spoilers. Her name's Holland. Her name's Holland, Holland Taylor. Taylor. Oh, was, yeah, Merrick Garland her, was... The, I love how I just agreed with it. I was like, okay. Yeah. No, he was passed over for the Supreme Court. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, Holland Taylor. Anyway, so Taylor. what? I, let's talk about, can we talk about something I actually did watch on television? Yeah. 
Scream Queens? Uh, Twin Peaks. Oh. Girl? Can we talk Twin about Twin Peaks? Peaks. Um, yeah. Overall yeah. thoughts. Overall thoughts and feelings on Twin fucking Peaks. The return. Well, I... And it's weird. I love... David Lynch and if any other director or any other TV show tried to pull shit he did I'd be like what is this what is this stop it but when he does it I'm like yes more give me more weirdness and that's the thing is people were angry of like the the show ended so vaguely I'm like it's David Lynch like what the what like what did you think was gonna happen I don't know I loved it I loved it from beginning to end I liked the ending I liked all of it and and I don't care if people hate me for it I don't think I've ever loved a TV show more in my life. I don't think I've ever uh, loved an experience more in my life. It was but so this is meaningful. The thing is, to I me. don't know how much of it is the fact of of how much I had emotions. Come everyone's out doing these reboots, and this is the one where I felt a reboot was done right. Like because it, it was just giving me all the feels of. Wait, hold on still, a sec. Can you hear me? Yeah, hold on. I couldn't hear you for okay. a while there. Let's just pause. All right. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. I'm going to start back of me talking about why I love Twin Peaks. Okay. All right. The thing with Twin Peaks is I just love that I I've lo- I watched it when it was on because I'm old, the first two seasons, and I rewatched it again before I watched the, the new season. And there is something about that. He did nostalgia right. It was the right way of like bringing back these characters and just the fact that the whole plot was about that he kept having these lodge dreams 25 years in the future and now it's 25 years in the future like it's just brilliant it's brilliant it's so rewarding and it's so funny that you said the word nostalgia because i've been thinking about nostalgia just from the fact that you and i are doing this show again after you know eight to ten years after almost a decade and that there were, a, you know, a handful of people on social media who were excited about the fact that you and I are doing this show again. And it had me after the Twin Peaks experience. I know, both of our fans. Both of our fans were really excited. <laughs> and after Twin Peaks, I was like, just tripping on nostalgia. Like, why do you want to go back to this thing? And what do you want out of this show? And like, what, what do we do? What do you and I do that is going to hit certain buttons around nostalgia and what is it that you and I are going to do that are people are going to say that doesn't feel like the old show it's just it's nostalgia is such an odd concept to me and it's solely because of Twin Peaks I appreciate so much what he did and how he gave us a show that felt like nothing we had ever seen before yeah gave us no TV show was ever like that ever he gave us new characters that were so different from the original characters of the show yet felt like we should accept them into whatever whatever it is we want from the show like they provided that too even though they were new characters like Jim Belushi and Robert Kepner Rob, yeah yeah the the, the the funny little mobsters oh and then what's God. the what was what's the girl the Vegas show girl the one that's Candy. like having like an an aneurysm i loved her <laughs> right I, I could I could go on and on about this show. I, I just the finale though, what talk about like nostalgia and expectations and like what you want out of story. Tangent. My friends and I play this game called Worlds where somebody just invents a world. Like it's a steampunk town where everyone knows magic, and then we provide like characters that would be part of that world. You know, these characters that we make up fill in certain plot things. The whole point behind this game. Wait, is this is game like un- Dungeons and Dragons? Eh, yeah, but with less shit in, on the table. It's just talking. <laughs> so it's still like nerd but, things. It's still nerd thing, but the whole point of this game okay. is that we have come to understand stories, specifically in genre, so much that you just give us a landscape and we'd be like, oh yeah, it would have this tone, it would have these characters, just because we've seen it. Twin Peaks was the opposite of being able to play that game. There was no way you could see any any single thing that happened coming and which is why i love that shot we see over and over of 
them driving down a dark road and the headlights only show you so much of what's ahead of you mm -hmm. and the rest are like these blurry things coming into vision. Like that is just a metaphor for what it's like to watch the show. You have no idea what's coming. You only see that which is right in front of you and you're kind of squinting and struggling with what it is you're looking at. Well, that's what he is about genre. All like, especially if you watch Mulholland Drive, it's all about playing and messing with genre because the Twin Peaks, at one minute, it's a thriller. At one minute, it's a horror. At one minute, it's a comedy. At one minute, it's like a fucking David Mamet play. Like you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it goes back and he, it goes back and forth. And then it's what you said. He then takes the genre where you're like, oh, I'm in this genre. And then he flips it and does the exact opposite of what you think. I want to know what is, uh, give me two of your favorite scenes through the series before we talk about the finale. Okay. Um, God, there's so many. One of my, you know, is it okay if one of my favorite scenes was in the finale? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, because I do want to tie it to the idea of genre because there were so many genre threads going through. I mean, like, just um, Jennifer Jason Leigh and Tim Roth alone, like the Tarantino streak that ran through this show that <laughs> yes. was so weird. Yes. But <laughs> the, scene, the scene that I love, and I'll get to it more when we talk about the finale, but we had a superhero in this show. We had a straight-up superhero yeah. story in who probably was my favorite who Iron Fist should have been. walking away. And that's Freddie Sykes. Freddie Sykes in his magic green glove. Who Iron Fist should have been. So much better mm -hmm. than Iron Fist. Twin Peaks had an Iron Fist that like, <laughs> killed Marvel's Iron Fist. And just the fucking, like his battle with Bob at the end and like that, how it turned into a Kandinsky painting and, and how there were all these illusions of boxing through Bushnell Mullins and through Sarah Palmer's, which is gonna be my other scene, Sarah Palmer's scene watching her, uh, the boxing match in her home on Endless Loop. Like just to have mm -hmm. all that boxing vibe. And then for Cooper, like his role at the end was to just like be the Mickey in Freddie Sykes's corner. Like, come on kid, punch him again. Like it was so- Get him, go out and do it. <laughs> But it was filmed like such a dream. Like if you had a dream that you were fighting this big black orb with Bob's face on it, that's totally what it would look like. And it, the fact that, that half these characters had died and this is how he addressed, like like it's kind of just like if Bob, if that actor was still alive, we wouldn't have gotten that like creepy weird thing, that, that yeah. weird orb thing. Um, yeah. One of my favorite scenes so was said, Give me the two. arm wrestling scene from, wait, hold on. Can you hear me? No, hold on. Do, 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 do. All right, I think we're good. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. One of my favorite scenes is the arm wrestling scene. Hell Yeah. Over that whole thing from from him arriving to and the funny thing is is I've seen that the guy who plays that mob boss is an like it does improv where I do improv, which is kind of like an extra little bonus for Are me. You serious? He, yeah, he's what? on uh, the he's on the team the resistance at at Iowa West. Um, anyway, that whole thing that's just the whole setup. It's like master storytelling, master filmmaking, and the way it ends where he just fucking punches the guys face in like literally yeah. punches his face in and murders him it comes that's what yeah. you said it comes out of nowhere and you're like what oh it's so good so one good. of the best parts of watching the show was trying to guess where things were going and everyone being wrong on every guess ever always so yes the other the other favorite scene of mine fucking grace Zabriskie, man what a performance she put in as sarah palmer the scene where she has her breakdown in the supermarket and I, I want to get, like, to me, that is a whole thing about the loop of grief and being mm -hmm. stuck in this cycle. You see her in her house drinking and smoking her life away, watching the same 10 seconds of a boxing match over and over and over. And then, but mm -hmm. she's in that supermarket and she sees turkey jerky next to the beef jerky and it's different. It's new. Yeah. Something new has been introduced into these, <laughs> this horrible cycle she's on. And she has a total breakdown. To me, that actually was a pre-possessed Sarah Palmer 
waking up a little bit because there was something different in her cycle of the same thing happening over and over and over and something woke her up and like the thing tri- that was inside of her Judy like just tried to get her back in and like recontrol her it was phenomenal that's the thing about the show you don't know what you're looking at but then if you watch it again and you watch it again and like you think about it you're like oh it's just a story of this I think Twin Peaks is there more like, than- it could be seen yeah. Is there one Judy like there's a Bob or are there more than one Ju- is Judy like a type of demon or thing? Here's my take. Judy is that thing that uh, was in the glass box that shredded that couple's heads off. She is that yeah. thing that was that when the atomic bomb ripped open a, a tear in the fabric of reality. By the way, shout out to Grant Morrison's Invisibles. By the way, shout out to Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, because Twin Peaks, you hit upon both. You were totally just Invisibles and Doom Patrol, the fucking show. And that's why I love you so much. So Judy is the thing that came through that tear, uh, you know, in the fabric of reality. Um, Threw up evil, threw up Bob, like just basically brought all that horror uh, to modern society after a big sin of blowing it up. Um, I also think that Judy was beaten at the end. And I think that the finale was told out of order. And I think the series of events with Diane and Cooper in kind of like that weird pocket universe where they weren't, where they had sex and they weren't acting like themselves. I think going back to Invisibles, I think that was straight up like sex magic, like ritual magic. I think that they were doing something to Judy. I think... The order of events is Cooper goes back in time, tries to save Laura Palmer. Judy yanks her out of that flashback, puts her into her own pocket universe where she is Carrie Page. By the way, there was one page missing in Laura Palmer's diary still, wasn't there? And we found it. Carrie Page. Uh, I think then Diane got susumed into that new pocket dimension as Linda. Um, I think that Cooper, because of the first scene in the first episode, retained his intuition uh, and did not completely become Richard. I think he took Laura to the house. I think Laura woke up. She heard Sarah call her. She screamed. She beat Judy. And then Cooper woke up. And then Cooper wound up that whole Twin Peaks finale where we fight Bob and he sees Diane again and his head takes over the whole thing. I think that's the ending. And I think the clock not moving forward is time resetting because he did save Laura Palmer. And that moment where he said, I hope to see you all again, friends. Uh, but the, the past dictates the future. I think at that point he already saved Laura Palmer and he knew that the timeline was changing. Uh, and his head taking over the screen was him kind of ascending, uh, kind of doing a Garland Briggs becoming a White Lodge entity. And I think that's the end. Americ, Americ Garland. Yeah, I think if it's all in like... It's all in how he treats Diane when he sees her. Like when he walks out of Glastonbury Grove, when they go on their mission to get Carrie Page, she's like, oh my God, is it really you? And they kiss. When he sees her in the sheriff's station... She, the, it's even more emotional, and she says, I remember everything, as if to say, I remember the whole thing of where I was Linda. Oh. So it's a very happy ending. Okay. What the fuck? Can't explain that. I, I, I would say... Yeah. I do too. It's I think it's definitely her waking up out of something. There's so much more to explore with Audrey's thing. There's so there's there's the whole Roadhouse in the Roadhouse. Now, yes, let me, let me build on that because sometimes, and I got to go back and watch it again because sometimes 
they always show the exterior. We always get the exterior shot before the roadhouse. You always see the bang, bang bar sign. Sometimes you see it just on the wall, right side up, normal, just, hey, here's the sign. Other times they would show it upside down in a puddle. I would say roughly half the time. I Exactly. Oh, James. I loved it. I couldn't believe it. I, I think I, there was so, I got, I cried at so many episodes, like scream cried. Um, especially like when Cooper woke up, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, when Audrey woke up, I, like, I, I just, I was just like sobbing because I was so overcome with like how great and cool it was. Uh, but yeah, that moment with James, and it was so weird because you think back to more nostalgia stuff. You think back to the original where he did it with Maddie and Donna, two characters who you can argue are dead. Um, and he had these two lifeless brunettes up there with him, like these like representations of these two lost women. <laughs> you see her face? Right. How about America? American Horror Story, Lara Flynn Boyle's face. That poor woman, though. That's really sad. We did it to her. We, we did it. <laughs> we did it to her. It does sci-fi right. I absolutely do. And what a great way to segue into our segment. Ew, I read a DC book. Ew. Ew. Did you happen to read one this week, Evil? What'd you think? Well, because I, so you, instead of reading a single book, went back and dove into a run thus far. And I almost did the same thing too. Mine was going to be with Gerard Way's Doom Patrol. Okay, good. I don't know you at all. Love those. I wanted to read that. How is that? Okay. Uh, I will say that 
Exciting. No, but I did see something about this. Like, Kite Man's pretty integral to the whole story. Well, I mean, his name is Kite Man, so I, you know, yeah. That's not, you can't, that's not real. That's not going to really kill you. God, comics are so full of shit sometimes. Really? You liked it that much? Oh, okay. Um, so here's this other great thing going on with DC Comics. And again, watch this transformation happen. I can't believe it. But their whole reboot of the Hanna-Barbera properties. Holy fuck. So, I have not yet read Flintstones. But I understand Flintstones to be probably one of the smartest satires to happen in the world of comics, let alone in the world of fiction, uh, in the past few years. Can't wait to read it. What I did read was a team-up book between a DC property and a Hanna-Barbera property. Suicide Squad meets the Banana Splits, number one. <laughs> oh, Dastardly and Muttley? Almost. Well, there, there is, and I, this was almost my book. It's on my table waiting for me to read. There is a Batman-Elmer Fudd crossover. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elmer Fudd? Oh, yeah. True, true. Yeah, sure. They own everything. Bugs Bunny's the new Captain Carrot. Back to Hanna-Barbera. Uh, 
they were um like they were furries they were like people in costume and they were kind of like and they even say this in the book they were like a 60s bubblegum pop band there was like a gorilla and a dog and a lion and an elephant uh, very like na 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 like very like that brady kind of vibe you know what i mean when the brady's were a band a lot of tambourine a lot of bell bottoms uh, well, actually, but they were kind of like mod, too. I don't know. They they defied genre, the banana splits. So, <laughs> so what happens is the banana splits um, get pulled over. They get into like, an, like a traffic thing. The cops start shooting at them. They're a band, and they're just going to their next gig, as bands do. So they're going to the next gig. They get thrown in jail. <laughs> they get... Yeah, yes. Um Real dark turn. It was really weird. Uh, actually, there are a bevy of teenage girls, which we'll get to later. Um, a bevy. It was a whole... I'm sorry. It's a Beverly of teenage girls, I believe is the right... A Beverly. So they get thrown in the Huskow. Meanwhile, the Suicide Squad, Killer Croc, Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Katana, are... Um, they got the drop on them. They're on a mission, and the mission goes, goes south. It doesn't go well. They're taking down an army of teenage girl robots, and they didn't realize how powerful the robots were, and they get into some trouble. So Amanda Waller... No, 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 no. Banana splits are whack compared... Like, no, please. They're from, they're from a bygone age. They're no Bieber. Uh, they're no Taylor Swift. Um, so Amanda Waller is like, well, I need to grab some expendable people out of prison to go save you as is the suicide squad way. So she sees the banana splits, like totally owning a prison riot on one of her monitors. So she, she gears them up through the power of their animal abilities. The elephant was just like stomping everybody in that prison, in that. strawberries yeah um no amanda waller makes them like suicide squad b team and they go in and save you know like the shitty characters from the shitty movie um and then from that experience amanda waller releases the banana splits and the banana splits decide to become a hardcore rap band (laughs) because of their time in prison and because of their experience on this dark adventure. No, they said they're going to change, but then they cut to them in concert and they're like, they're rapping like horrible, like kid rock 311, like not 311, like, yeah, like, like white, like white Midwesterner rap. Um, No. Yeah, it's just going to be banana mush all over those stairs. They won't even get down them stairs, but the banana splits are hardcore rappers now. But wait, there's more. I haven't even gotten to the reason why I got this book yet because of the short story in the back. Have you heard what they've done with Snagglepuss? Better. He is a queer Southern Gothic playwright in the 1950s America. He's still a pink cougar. He still has his... He's like cross Tennessee Williams with Oscar Wilde and it's Snagglepuss. Wait, it opens with him in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee. They are accusing him of communism, and they want him to name names. And he stands up in the court with his dandy outfit, and he, he goes, he does go into that language. He is the weirdest fucking thing. He goes, I'll name names of people who are counterculture, who are against the grain, who are shaking up the normal way of doing things, Jesus and Buddha. Boom, and walks out of the courtroom. I would have rather been that. I'm going to tell you what's going on. 
Oh, we get we have that too. Like one of the one of the evil McCarthy senators is like, your window of opportunity is closing, and he goes, a oh, good because it was a chilly in here. <laughs> so they go. So he walks. This is the greatest thing I've ever read. He walks out of the courtroom and he's approached by a young playwright who may be a little queer too, and his name is Augie Doggy. <laughs> Yeah, Augie Doggy and Doggy Daddy, are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. With his green sweater. Yes. Oh my God, this is the greatest. So they sit down on a bench and Augie Doggy is like, teach me how to write better. Like, what do I need to know to be a, a smart playwright like you? And Snagglebus fucking tells him a story. Of when Snagglepuss, they flashback. Snagglepuss is an actor in like like a low rent summer stock theater, with kind of a big audience though, like kind of a sizable audience, like the kind of audience you'd see in like Black Swan or Birdman, like that kind of theater. Birdman, like Birdman. So it's this dumbass comedy show with these two people dressed up as dolphins, and he's like a like a minor character in it. Anyway, the theater gets set on fire. And he goes, heavens to Murgatroyd. And he <laughs> and he, he runs off stage, exit stage. They never say exit stage left, but it's implied. He, like, he runs onto the stage after running around the theater, runs onto the stage. He yells to the audience, the theater's on fire, in flames even. And the entire audience just cracks up and they think that it's part of the play and they all die. And he escapes with his life. And no, no, the point he's saying to Augie Doggy is like, you can't change anybody. All audiences want is to be entertained. They're by nature passive. No matter what you do, your words won't matter. End of story. I'm like, that was the, not since David Lynch's Twin Peaks The Return have I ingested. It is so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, right there. They give each other hand jobs on the, on the park bench right there. Yeah. And the homosexual lifestyle is put under a microscope in this small, sleepy southern town. It was insane. This Hanna-Barbera shit. Right. At Marvel, they can't commit to their embracing of diversity, and it's causing problems. Like, go fuck yourself, whatever. Like, he was like, he wasn't a writer. Like, let's put this in perspective. He was, whoever this guy was who said this, and I think there was like two instances of somebody saying this. He's like a sales guy. Like, he's not a creator, right? He's like head of direct marketing or some shit like that. So, you know, he's going to be like, well, according to the corollary data, sales started to decline as soon as we started to introduce. Like, go fuck you. Yeah, maybe because the story sucked. Yeah, maybe it wasn't the fact that it was like, Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. Especially we got this upcoming 1 million BC Avengers coming up. And incidentally, I did read Generations Thor and they set up Yeah, they set up at the end that Odin was in love with is in love with the Phoenix. Um and that they used to be an item 
which I think they're both on 1 million BC Avengers. So I think they'll be like the Scott and Jean of the first Avengers. Thank you, but there's a lot of people. I don't know. It's like a novelty thing. Like, here's Ghost Rider and a woolly mammoth. Ooh, who doesn't love that? But more... Oh, stop it. Ghost Rider's awesome. It's like it's a motorcycle guy with a flaming skull and a chain and a leather jacket. He's so awesome. Nick Cage. It, Nick Nolte would have been better. <laughs> Nick Nolte. That's where you went wrong, Marvel. A Black Panther. A Black Panther, the old sorcerers. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm also just kind of like, it's a million years ago, why is Black Panther the only one that's wrong? They are, they are, I mean, I I feel you, I feel you. Back to this diversity thing, Marvel, like, this whole generation's thing feels reconciliatory. Is that a word? Like we're trying to reconcile like what we tried to do, but like our fan base are a bunch of 40-year-old fucking white guys who don't want to read about a black female Iron Man. Like, so they're like, okay, we're going to try to find a way to reconcile. And this whole, t like the tagline for generations is like, there's room in the Marvel Universe for our, our classic heroes and our legacy heroes. Yeah, let's, let's make this concerted effort to try to get all these different people to fit into the same world because it's such an impossible puzzle. You're separating us, Marvel. Speaking of divisive, can I jump? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like Chris Hemsworth. I don't know. We'll never know. You're, you're not worthy if you can't pick up the hammer. Yeah, I think that that's what ex-guardians sound like. Yeah, let's move on to another div divisive unit of people, the Drake family. Have you read the latest Iceman? <laughs> it was insane. Which one are you talking about? Uh, can Iceman's mom shut the fuck up? <laughs> they have the same pelican chin, those two. Who are they to talk? And to have his, to have his father. Like, what? Aren't you from Connecticut? Like, what? <laughs> What's the big deal? God, please, please get Iceman in the middle of a mutant gay conversion therapy camp. Oh, 
Oh my God. I want to write that play. I want to write a play that's like Iceman versus the Conversioners. Working title. Title TBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're proud of Bobby Drake. He came out to his parents, which was not easy for him. Um, his mother had a very cold reaction, <laughs> if I may. I'm no Bobby Drake. I'm no Bobby Drake. Seriously. You think he's lying? Oh, I would love that. <laughs> so you think he, he was on the DL since, like, since the Xavier years? Like, since, since he was a snowman? I never touched anyone until I came out. That's not true. That's not true. I came out in my 20s. Yeah. And you did not do a until you were Yeah, I was a virgin until I came out. So there goes that theory. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to live a lie. I didn't want to, like, say one thing and do another. I'm a very honest person. <laughs> Extra pepperoni, please. <laughs> actually, um, when I met my husband, Jeff, when I met the man who is now my husband, Jeff, we actually did, one of the first times we hooked up was we did have sex in the bathroom of a pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. Um, we had hardcore sex there. And when we were done, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I for, I forget what we did now. He'll remember. I think so. I think so. And then we realized that the bathroom door was unlocked the entire time. We were like, oh, thank God. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah, it was a place called Il Pranzo. It shut down shortly after. Yeah, right? Sorry, there's jizz everywhere in your bathroom. Everywhere. We like slipped on it, like, and then there was jizz all over her face because we fell face down. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Who's cute? Who's got it right now? Ooh, what a a girl. Wow, um, who am I crushing on right now? Like comic book characters are doing, right? Or just like people? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Um, who am I crushing on right now? I mean, I am feeling it for Bobby Drake a little bit. I don't know what it is. I'm the old one. I'm on this journey with him. You know, he looks real good in that outfit. Like that out, that wetsuit with shorts is working. It's working for him. And just the fact that he's like fresh, like his dick probably like it like it probably is like baby smooth because from lack of use. No, no, because like he hasn't been jerking. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And it blurs the lines of like what is this relationship? Because they fall in love. 
Ooh. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is wow. I want to crack this code. It's a former. Oh my god. I, I, is it an obscure X character? Like, was were they ever on the full fledged X Men team? I want to say Prodigy, but I know that this is not right. <gasps> Stop! Fuck. Wait, I did just see that. Where did I see Gold Balls on a Spider-Man book? What? Oh, uh, Spider-Men, right? No, he's the 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 um second team up Spider-Man Two. It's like a limited series where they team up again. Yes, I think, yes, Gold Balls is now a Spider-Man character. Oh, my God. Genki Lee, Genki Lee. Come on. Oh, God bless him. <laughs> really? The um, yeah, the thing I'm reading is Spider-Man Two, when they introduce the like the six sixteen Miles Morales. They like finally get to the bottom of like who he is, and it's ultimately disappointing. And he's like way older. I don't know. I don't know. Gold balls, huh? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> heavens, heavens to Murgatroyd. Gold balls is hot even. That's fantastic. I need a better crush. Um, I just, I like, I don't know. I'm just, I feel kind of cold and dead to the world now that Twin Peaks is over. I have no emotion left. We did have another issue of Astonishing X-Men this week. Um, how do you know that? Oh, you think it. And I... Th well, there was the weird thing where at the end of issue two, like, Wolverine and Xavier had the same speech bubble. Like, they said the same thing at the same time, and it was, like, half black, half white. So, I, I don't know. I think Logan... I mean, if it is the Xavier, I think he's, like, kind of steering old man Logan to, like... Uh, help with all this stuff I just love that team wait what happened in the last book yeah but he's super immune to telepathy they established that right Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh. An angel. Whoop. <gasps> speaking of the next issue, speaking of the next issue, do you know what the next issue of Iceman is? It is a Champions of LA reunion as they mourn the death of Black Fucking Widow. Get me on board. I am so on. It's going to be him and Angel go to L.A. to meet up with Hercules and Ghost Rider or, like, whatever, whoever the fuck was on that team. I think Dark Star is on the cover as well. We're, I guess we'll just forget she was killed. But. Yeah. Yeah, right? Hit like downtown LA has got super hot bars right now. Like you don't need to go to WeHo if you want to be discreet. Go to Precinct. I know, I'm rational to the committee. Like, let's have those reasons. 
Well, you'll get it. You'll get it at Precinct. Okay. Who hasn't, right? Um, well, speaking of Precinct, I think I am ready to get my club clothes on. And to go to the coat check and, and just get my vodka crayon on. Um, we've explored a lot, a lot on this episode, haven't we? Very satisfying. Like, we can ex- explore more about that on another podcast well. under another title. Well. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you know, we've talked about Iceman and Astonishing X-Men twice in a row now. So if you would like us to broaden our horizons and increase... Increase our repertoire. Um, leave us a message on Twitter or on Facebook or at Comic Book Queers and just give us suggestions for stuff that we should read and that we should make fun of. Well, I'm, I'm willing to make fun of Me too. Thank you so much, Queer Coteers. I am Brett. And remember, if you like comics, that makes you queer. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.